Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing How to Be a Wallflower by Eloisa James. This was published in 2022 and uh, is the first in the would-be wallflower series. And full disclosure, we did receive an advanced reader copy from NetGalley and Happily Ever Avon. So let's just dive right into the book jacket for this one. I want to say one thing. Do it. So the would-be wallflowers naming convention of the series implies it's a bunch of women who think that they want to be wallflowers for whatever reason in the season, even though they are innately not. I think that is very fun and something that I do think is underrepresented. I wish it had been a bigger part of this book. So I hope in future iterations of the series, it is a larger part. Hence why I want to say it now because it's not really relevant to this book. <laughs> That's a great point, though. I That is a really good point. And this is technically the first in a series. It is the first in a series, not technically. But it is related to My American Duchess by Eloisa James, which we have reviewed. Yes. So the main character of that book appears in this book. She is the best friend of the hero. And the hero was mentioned in that book. But I don't recall, I don't think he got any page time because she was already in England by the time. And he was not. And he was not, but I do think he was mentioned. That is certainly a possibility. I don't remember that, but I believe you. Thank you. Book jacket? Yes. Miss Cleopatra Lewis is about to be launched in society by her aristocratic grandfather. But since she has no intention of marrying, she visits a costume emporium specifically to order unflattering dresses guaranteed to put off any prospective suitors. Powerful and charismatic Jacob Astor Addison is in London acquiring businesses to add to his theatrical holdings in America, as well as buying an opal for a young lady back in Boston. He's furious when a she-devil masquerading as an English lady steals Quimby's costume emporium from under his nose. Jake strikes a devil's bargain, offering to design her wallflower wardrobe and giving Cleo the chance to design his. Cleo can't resist the fun of clothing the rough-hewn American in feathers and flowers. And somehow, in the middle of their lively competition, Jake becomes her closest friend. It isn't until Cleo becomes the toast of all society that Jake realizes she's stolen his fiercely guarded heart. But unlike the nobleman at her feet, he doesn't belong in her refined and cultured world. Caught between the demands of honor and desire, Jake would give up everything to be with the woman he loves, if she'll have him. Not a great jacket. It's a lot of information. But not the necessary information? Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing about her being an heiress? Right. There's nothing about why she doesn't want to get married. But even just the fact that she's not actually of society. Mm-hmm. Her grandfather's a Viscount, but she didn't wasn't raised in society. Her father wasn't a nobleman. Her it's mother true. had given up the trappings of wealth. Like, it's true. She's here to hang out with her grandfather, which means participating in society, but she is in no way, shape, or form a debutante. And right. I don't... I feel like if you read the jacket, you assume she's a generic original. A generic original? <laughs> I love that. You know what I mean, though. I do know what you mean, but I also love that. Ugh. Well, for this episode, we generated a random number of 45 out of 50 to write our randomly generated number summaries. So take us away, Lane. Jake thinks he wants a costume shop to fulfill his dead father's ambition, but he quickly realizes that what he really wants is Cleo. 
Cleo won't risk her independence for anyone ever again after her selfish mother and garbage fiancé. Luckily, their bodies aren't logical. That is a much better book jacket. Thank you! Than the official book jacket. Well, um, she has character traits. In my, I have 45 words to work with. It's true. They both were going to get some characterization. Yeah. What was your summary? It's totally cool that Jake moves into the hotel suite right across from Cleo's, sneaks into her room at night so they can have long conversations over cognac, and follows her into the dark avenues of Vauxhall because he's super hot and has good intentions. Yes. I recognize that that could be read as sarcasm, but... Um, it's not. I mean, it is, but it's also not. Yes. It's I, both. Mm -hmm. It's both. Mm -hmm. It's both. Because it wasn't until... I'm not even kidding. It wasn't until after I read the book that I was like... That was kind of problematic. <laughs> While I was reading it, I was like, oh, he's so into her and he's just pursuing her. <laughs> yeah. And this is where like intention matters. Mm-hmm. Intention matters. And reception matters. Yes. Like, yes, it is worrying that I don't actually know if she hadn't been interested if he would listen, but I knew she was interested, so I got to ignore that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I, I want to make it clear that I did very much enjoy this book. Yes. Despite the fact that, if you look at it objectively, Jake is um, kind of a stalker. Yeah, if she wanted to file criminal charges, she'd have grounds. Totally. Like, she <laughs> could totally have a restraining order against him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Tropes. Yeah. So, um, what do you think is the biggest trope here? Enemies to lovers, Lane. Yeah. They're not. They hate each other. From the moment they first meet in this text. Mm-hmm. And they get over it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, long-simmering animosity. But I agree with you, this is meant to be the, like, sparring partners to other kinds of it's, partners. It's the, it's the classic enemies to lovers where he's challenged in one way and immediately is like, oh, I'm going to get the better of her, but very quickly realizes that that impulse is because he just wants to be with her. Yes. She's a little bit more of a holdout. But not in a way that would lead her to file charges. <laughs> Correct. Um, she is British and he is American. Um, I did feel like it was a little bit, not subverted, because he's very much depicted as wild and uncouth, but not to the same degree that is often no. leaned into for a lot of Americans. No. And she's, as we discussed, less of a proper English miss than the British typically implies in an American Brit romance. Absolutely. I know when we talked about My American Duchess, which is her most recent American versus Brit, it was like the very classic American woman who doesn't understand society, doesn't want to follow the conventions, loosens up the, you know. Ton. Yeah. Yeah. It was very much in that mode. And this one it is, it's not. There's conflict from being American and British in that they live on separate continents. Correct. And in both their business and personal ambitions, that's presented as a conflict to be overcome. But the like inherent personality clash caused by different upbringings is less apparent. Yeah. Trope. There's a lot of fashion. Yeah, and that does lead to a lot of like, oh my god, gasp, look at what they're wearing moments, like makeover moments. Um, but I also always think it's fun to make a man play a dandy. It's, oh. less, it's less of a trope than I wish it were. I know. I really like it. I will say Eloisa James does that really well. Mm -hmm. She has several dandies that I've read that are just, they're still like really masculine and you really, it's very fun to read. Yes. And very, very fun. She doesn't shy away from describing the clothes in great detail, which yes. is really fun. Well, and it's, 
I don't know. I think it really speaks to like what is masculinity. Yeah. Right? And I really like that because so many romance heroes are they're different from the rest of the dandies in the time because they always wear black and white. Right. There is a little bit of a real man is a build in a carriage though that a little could bit, be inherently yeah. problematic, but I don't care. I like picturing big gruff dudes in bright blue. Yeah. Leave me alone. Or like orange florals. R.I.P. Chad with Bosman. I think every time we talk about men's fashion, that's what I say. But like he really mm, chef's kiss. His wardrobe was always perfect. Great. Alright, what else have we got? Got some engagement ring shenanigans. Yes. Which is both <laughs> like a misunderstanding. Yes. On several levels. Yep. And like actual jeweler drama. Mm-hmm. Which not the first time. No. Probably my least favorite part of the book. Can I say that? Yeah. I didn't hate it. Just I didn't because love it. it was extremely quick. Well, thank God. Yeah. I mean it was yeah, we'll talk about it. Oh, reuniting with estranged family. Yeah, so her mother ran away with the blacksmith's son. Eloped, yeah. And, but it wasn't the love match. Um, And so Cleo was raised apart from her family, but on her mother's deathbed, and her father had predeceased her mother. Um, Her mother wanted her to go be with her grandfather and, like, get introduced to society. So she's... I actually, that was one of my favorite parts of the book. I agree. Um, the dynamic between her and her grandfather. Yeah, I really liked excellent. it. And it wasn't. And unique. It was, exactly. I was going to say, it's not your typical, like, I disowned your mother and now I feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. No, it was, I, I liked him as a character. I liked the way he treated her. And I liked what you learned about the estrangement. Yeah. As, as weird as that is to say. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um. He's got daddy issues. She's got mommy issues. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which I wrote as same gendered parent issues. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and as part of those mommy issues that she has, uh, it's that she was parenting her mother. Yes. So her father died, not when she was super young, but young, too young to be in charge of her mother. Yeah. What, like 14? 14. And even before then, her parents' marriage had not been that of partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she ended up sort of being her mother's confidant when it was certainly too young. Right. Especially as it pertained to matters of romance when, you know, her parents were married. Yeah. So uh, she definitely had a lot of trauma there and his dad was a drug addict. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's an unromantic declaration of romance. I think this is a trope often when you see, especially the burly male heroes who aren't good with words say something really straightforward that on its face is not romantic, but when you know them, you know it was said with a lot of feeling or it, like, becomes an inside joke just how yeah, inappropriate yeah, yeah, they yeah. were. Yeah, um, I can think of a couple instances in past romance novels of, like, you know, a, a certain token that's inappropriate, Yeah, you know, being a callback. And in this case, it's Kippers. Yes. It's very cute. And I thought it was kind of weird. I mean, weird, but also cute, though. I liked it, though. Okay. I like this better than the engagement ring. I didn't particularly... I feel the same about both. <laughs> okay. So, as the book jacket states, they meet when she steals a business deal out, of, uh, out from under him. Right. So, it's not personal. No. And that is made very clear in the text. She's not trying to thwart his business deal. She's acquainted with the shop owner through mm-hmm. her... Lady's maid who calls herself a dresser. 
uh, and the woman is unsatisfied with the terms of the deal, but doesn't seem to have any other options. And before she even meets Jake. Right, right. Cleo gives this woman an alternative that involves staying in Britain. (laughs) Yeah. So basically, Cleo is, she's an heiress. She's not just an heiress, she's a business owner. Right. Her father deeded his company and patents to her. Upon his death when she was 14 again. And she has made her money on toilet bowls. Yes. Well. Toilets. A specific valve. Yes. I mean, it's it's a very cute idea on the part of Eloisa James, I think. Yeah. To make it such a prosaic basis for her fortune. Both something prosaic, but also inappropriate. Right. Like, it's not like she was into fountain pens. Right. Which would have been prosaic, but not ungenteel. Yes. But it's also not like she she inherited money from a brothel or something. Right. Right? So it's not scandalous. Right. But it's inappropriate. Right. Which is really fun. And I also liked, this is one of the things I feel like Eloisa James always does really well. It's not mentioned. Yeah. Like, that she's, outside of her concerns about marriage, no one reacts poorly to her being a woman of business. Mm -hmm. She doesn't get put down in social settings. Mm -hmm. He never doubts her capability. The conflict that exists between them in business is never, but you're a woman, you couldn't. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of love that her competence is taken at face value by her grandfather, by him, and by everyone you see her interacting with in society. Yeah. So, So that's where they meet. And then after she buys this costume emporium out from under his feet, he's determined to figure out who she is because he doesn't really know who she is. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, first he's like, I'm going to go get the better of her. Because I really want to own this business. I really want to own this business. But that soon turns into, I want to know everything about her because she's amazing. Yes. So he, how does he do this? He finds out where she's staying. And moves into the hotel, and then when the person who is in the suite across the hall from her moves out, she mo- he moves into that suite. Yeah, which, again, stalkerish behavior. But I loved the, this woman is clearly so hot and dressed so ugly on purpose, I must know more. <laughs> <laughs> She's so intriguing. <laughs> like, I love the, no, you were not at your finest the day I saw you. I needed to understand. <laughs> <laughs> so... So, I mean, yeah, not only does he move into the suite across the hall from her, then he actually breaks into her room. He doesn't break in. He He disguises himself as a footman and then walks past a sleeping footman. It's not breaking and entering. It's just entering. It's disguising and entering. Disguising and entering. (laughs) Technically. Yeah. And I was like, as I was reading it, I was like, oh. Well, he's really using his God-given talents to figure out how to get what he wants. It wasn't until afterwards that I was like, wait a minute. Like, this could be the villain in another yeah. uh, romance novel. Well, he walks into her room the first time with a bottle of really good cognac she can't get in the hotel. And is like, I thought we could share this while we talked business. And she's like, sir, this is my room. Yeah, but then she's like, but I'll have some of your cognac. Yeah, <laughs> so like, she's just so, this is eccentric and cool that you as the reader don't question it. Yeah. And he, I mean, he, you're in his head and you know that he has good intentions. You're in her head and you know that she's taken aback, but also a little bit intrigued. intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> totally. 
Oh, goodness gracious. And then, of course, he's like the protective guy. because like, well, if I could get in, anyone could get in. I need to hire more footmen. Yeah. Look, that could piss me off in a lot of scenarios. It didn't here. I know. That's Eloisa D- James does a good job of not... She doesn't pick the fight, right? She's not like, my footmen are good enough, so you thought it was your right to instill your own. Like, if she'd said that, she would have had a point. Mm-hmm. But instead, she's just like, all right, fine, whatever. Your footmen are now also at the floor. I don't care. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think it's just really interesting because to me, this book is about what romance can make you forget. Yes. A little bit, you know? Yes. So. Or, or just sort of. There's a lesson here about not having to make an issue out of everything. Right. And I think, look, we'll be talking about Bridgerton season two eventually. But having just finished season two, one of the things I thought season two did really well as compared to season one was I'm fine with the diverse cast. But I thought season one with the two random scenes about people of color feeling like they were on tenuous footing, it sort of undermined whatever they were trying to do. Like they didn't tackle it well but they also didn't just present it as a given right whereas season two just sort of presented it as a given there's a lesson here about like if you present it as a given that she's fine with some of his more high-handed things i as the reader i'm not going to go looking for problems it's true it's it bothers me when i feel like it's handled poorly right not when i feel like it's just ignored most of the time so should we talk about cleo's past because most of the relationship issues are on cleo's part and by, by relationship issues, I mean Jake is, he falls first, very clear, like, by the third time he meets her that he wants to marry her. Yep. And he's going to do whatever he needs to do to get her. Yep. And she's more like, like, I'm very attracted to you, but... I don't trust that. I don't trust being attracted to you, and I don't want to lose control of my business and my money. And I do have concerns that you have ulterior motives because you have stated you want a business that I own. Right. So let's talk about Cleo's reasons, because some of them I totally understood, namely the wanting, not wanting to lose control of her funds uh, and her job as a businesswoman Mm -hmm. and maybe not trusting him since he does a lot of stuff that's maybe not very trustworthy. Mm -hmm. But the other issue, I'm, I'm interested to know what you thought of it. Yeah. So she's basically afraid of becoming her mother. And her mother apparently could have no emotional intimacy with anyone. She was like a, an emotional vampire and would just move from man to man and have sex with them. And then once they started falling in love with her, she'd be like, ooh, I'm over this. Not even that long, it seemed, because she, at one point, Cleveland mentions like the, sometimes the affairs lasted up to a week. Right. Like it seems like they were all very short dalliances. Cleo describes it as her mother fell in love with the character the guy was playing on stage and then right. had no interest in the real person. Yeah. And did all, all of this like right under her dad's nose. Yeah. Which was also disturbing. I was actually kind of surprised that the rap that Eloisa James chose to take was she's afraid of becoming her mother. Yeah. Because I think there was probably a lot more trauma in it from her in terms of, like, cleaning up emotional messes. Right. And she seemed a lot more concerned about, like, being the mess herself. Right. Than the collateral messiness. This is... So, uh, in my opinion, Eloisa James is a very good writer. Yes. Like, I like the way she writes. She... um, And I think because she's a good writer, it can make me overlook things like the stalking or Mm. whatever. Like the stalking. <laughs> or whatever. And 
I feel like this when she does these parental relationships, because this actually was in when Beauty Teen the Beast. Do you remember? Lynette's mother was the same way. Yes. And I think sometimes she will present these character types without really going into what was going on. Yeah. Right? Like, you you get that she had this, like, very displaced childhood. Um, like, basically, they were just, her mother was, like, a groupie and would just follow theater companies around. With her husband and child. <laughs> right. And you don't get the sense that this was based on, like, a mental illness or, like, what was going on? You don't get a sense of her mother at much all. at all. So it's, again, as I was reading the book, I think I kind of accepted it. Afterwards, I'm kind of like, what What was like, what was that supposed to be? What was that supposed to mean? I say this without it intending to, for it to be an insult. This is an incredibly surface level book. Yeah. There's not a lot of depth in anyone. Yeah. And I had a lot of fun with that. But I agree with you, the few times that there tried to be depth, it fell short. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I really, for me, good writing um, and fun, sexy characters can make up for a lot. And I think it basically made up for all of that. I agree. The only thing that the good writing and fun, sexy characters couldn't cover for me. So, Mary, who was the protagonist of An American Duchess. My American Duchess. My mm -hmm. American Duchess. Um, is Jake's best friend, as Meg mentioned earlier, and their relationship dynamic was extremely weird to me. Not in their actual behavior with one another, I don't think any lines were crossed, but there was not a single time the two of them were on the page together that their conversation or the narration didn't bring up the fact that they, like, considered marrying each other. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, like, a quick mention to remind you of the plot of the first book. It was constant to the point that it, I was like, okay, are you trying to tell me something? Right. Because he, like, every time he thinks of his fiance, we're almost fiance back in the United States, who's Mary's cousin, he's comparing the two of them. Right. Like, I honestly kind of don't get why he wasn't into Mary from everything that was, like, it was just very, very bizarre. Like, I think yeah. that whole thing could have been cut. There was no need to mention any potential romantic liaison other than, like, one, oh, well, isn't it funny that our families wanted us to be together we're so brother and sister and then never bring it up again. Or like maybe once because the whole the whole point of Mary's character in her book is that she has fallen in love like five times and yeah. broken like three engagements. Yes. And so if he was one of the people that she had broken an engagement with, I could like maybe see that. But that didn't even happen. He was like, I think probably I would have been if I had been in town at the time. Yeah. It was, it was just a very unnecessary thing that I don't understand why it wasn't just, like, thrown out the window. Yeah. I think for me, too, the one issue with Jake is that he's, like, he understands her perfectly. He understands her better than she understands herself. Yes. So, you know, she's like, I just don't know. And he's like, oh, I get it. It's the intimacy issues that come from growing up with a mother like that. And I'm like, whoa. It's <laughs> like, he really gets her. <laughs> Here's where that's just all hand washed away from me. They are very physical. They are. And when they do have conversations, they are honest, even when it's sort of an I don't know. That's true. And so I can forgive a lot when they're making out and having sex constantly and talking to each other. So it's fair. Yeah, he knows her better than she knows herself, and that's completely unbelievable. And then he's going down on her. So <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> right. I mean, I get it. Content warning. 
I mean, is there anything you want to talk about? I, I, just the parents' suckiness, I think, yeah. is it. Like, I, I think that's it. His dad was addicted to opioids. Yep. And then her mother was... I think her mother obviously had some kind of mental illness, really. Yeah, I just it's implied that basically the Astors were the predecessors of the Sacklers, <laughs> sort of, in this book. <laughs> this is true. This is very true, actually. So... Hmm. Yeah, those, but honestly, everything, again, is handled at such a service level that I really don't think the, yeah, any reading of it could be traumatic. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you were stalked. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you were stalked. Or if your mother did have you paying off her johns. Yeah. You know, there could be like some difficulty for you here, but I really tough. hope not. I, I do too. <laughs> I, really I do too. Oh my gosh. Sexiness? This is where like Eloisa James gets damned for being Eloisa James. Yeah. Like it's sexy, but by Eloisa James's standards. Yes. Eh. Because that's the thing is like, you know, <laughs> she can write more. There was just a little, not fade to black, no. but a little, like, gray. Yes. Like. That I just didn't want to be there. Well, you know, I, I think, like, what happens is, like, she would come, and then it would kind of fade to gray, and then you'd be like, oh, wait a minute, what's happening now? You'd be like, what, what happened in the middle between this and this? Or, like, the next morning, she'd be like, and then he woke me in the middle of the night. Oh, and, and then the he sex- did this. Yeah. And you're like, no, I want to read that. I don't want to <laughs> read about you talking about it. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, again, though, it's not that it's not sexy. That's true. Like, to use so many negatives in a certain, in one sentence. <laughs> it's, it's, by any other metric, this is a sexy, fun, flirty, they are hooking up through the whole book. It certainly isn't closed door. No. I mean, Eloisa James writes good sex. I just, if you want, like, the Eloisa James heat-o-meter, middle. Yeah, middle. I agree. The middle. general romance heat-o-meter, high. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I, I will say I'm looking forward to reading the next entries in the series. I'm excited that she's starting a new series, and I'm excited that it's Regency. I feel like you don't read that many Regency novels anymore. You read a lot of Victorian or Georgian, mm-hmm. but not really Regency. And I feel like it's nothing new, but it feels new because everything else I've been reading has been Victorian. Yeah, and they, it, the, the couple in the second book is very clearly telegraphed in this one, and I actually think they sound like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So here for it as always we recommend Eloisa James this is a fun light incredibly quick read if yes. you just want like a bubblegum surface level level capital R romance novel here you go yeah Silver with, with like fashion and good writing and sex and sex it's great thank you so much for listening if you're enjoying the podcast please write review subscribe and check us out around the internet at Flatris.